Do we pray because we want God to make a difference in an outcome? Or do we pray because we want God to make a difference in us? How do you unlock the full potential of your influence and create the lasting change that you are destined for? I am your co-host, Dave Donaldson. Thanks, Dave. And I am your co-host, Scott Young. Welcome to the Influencers Podcast. Join us each week for exciting stories and strategies from leaders, experts, and professionals from around the globe. As we are empowered to make an impact that resounds from your neighborhood to the nations. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Influencers Podcast, where we want to see your influence increase and make this a better world. And we've got a wonderful program planned today. And let me just ask this question. When was the last time you prayed? And did it change anything? As your prayers become weak and anemic, or are they exciting and vibrant? How does prayer change you? And do people who pray make a greater impact and influence in the world? Well, our guest today, Dr. Derwin L. Gray, has a book that's out that we're going to talk about and some ideas and concepts that are going to be revolutionary. He is the founder and senior pastor of Transformation Church. And I love that name, Transformation Church. It is a multi-ethnic, multi-generational and that's a mouthful right there. He's got to have the wisdom of Solomon. It is a mission-shaped community that meets just south of Charlotte, North Carolina. He's written several books, including a recent bestseller, The Good Life, What Jesus Teaches Us About Finding True Happiness. Dr. Gray and his wife, Vicki, have been married since 1992. They have two adult children. And Pastor, we are so glad to have you here on the Influencers Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Well, Pastor Scott, it is an honor and privilege for me to join you. And man, I i mean, your voice is just like smooth, man. I wish I could just <laughs> preach one sermon with a voice like that. I mean, good gracious. Well, listen, let me ask you, when was the last time you prayed? And <laughs> did it make any difference? Well, actually, as we are speaking, I am praying right now. Okay. I explain, am, explain that we're in conversation and you're yeah, praying as we're talking. I am. I am. And so it's a spiritual rhythm of grace that I've just developed over the years that as I am having a conversation with you, I am asking for the spirit of God to wow. give me wisdom, to give me grace, um, to also bring to remembrance, whatever I need to remember to communicate number one, so that whoever is listening can can see Jesus, like not Derwin. Derwin can't do anything for you, but to see Jesus in me and through me. And there's incredible joy. I, I think, you know, you know, you mentioned happiness. God's glory and our happiness are two sides of the same coin. Mm -hmm. When God says, follow me, trust me, let me love you, what he's saying is, I want to satisfy you because nothing else will. So when we're satisfied in God, God is glorified. And when, we're, and when God is glorified, we're satisfied in him. And so I want to have a perpetual open line of communion and communication with the Lord. So yeah, I'm, I'm praying right now. Is it making a difference? Uh, well, I think we have to go back to why do we pray? Sure. Uh, 
do we pray because we want God to make a difference in an outcome? Or do we pray because we want God to make a difference in us? Wow. Wow. And so the beautiful mystery of prayer is that what we typically do as Western Christians, what we typically do as people in the 21st century, we are consumers. And so in essence, we approach God, not from a posture of participation in his kingdom. We approach God as ways of how can I say the right thing, do the right thing, so you can give me what I want. So therefore, the question is, does prayer work? It, well, what do you mean does prayer work? Because according to God, there's a prayer that he always answers, and it's more about God working in the person to make them like Jesus mm. than God simply working to make our wishes come true. And so if I could take a step back, the question that you're asking, Pastor, and the question that so many of us are asking is, well, number one, does God hear me? And number two, am I praying the right, right way? And in Luke 11, verse one, Jesus's dis disciples see him praying and they say, uh, Lord, will you teach us to pray? I mean, that is one of the most beautiful words in scripture. Mm -hmm. They could have asked Jesus for a lot of things. They could have asked him for, you know, a new house in the suburbs. They could have asked him for, you know, a tricked out camel with chrome hooves and an air conditioner, right? But they asked him, will you teach us to pray? And then Matthew picks up that conversation. And in Matthew chapter six, verses nine through 13, Jesus says, therefore, when you pray, you should pray like this. That word pray, the way it's written in the Greek language, means uh, a habitual pattern, almost a, uh, a meditation, um, an openness to God's divine presence. And so the Lord's prayer uh, is like choreography that allows us to dance to the rhythm of his grace mm. and life is the stage in which he does that. And so let's just take a moment to listen to how Jesus told his disciples to pray. He starts with this, our father in heaven. Mm -hmm. He doesn't start with, give me this, give me that. He starts with a statement of what kind of God we have. Okay. So when I talk about Jesus, I get really excited. Something happens in my heart. So if I get going, please All forgive right. me. Nope. But, but think about how the Lord's prayer starts. It starts with describing the kind of God that exists, mm -hmm. a father. Father is a term of intimacy in to me you see the lord's prayer is insight in the kind of god that we serve and the kind of people that we can become so uh, many of us have grown up without dads or bad dads and, and sometimes it's hard to understand well how can god be a father if you ever have trouble viewing god as father always look at jesus because jesus is the image of the invisible God. He's the eternal son of God. He's the human face of God the Father. He is he is God incarnate. That's what Advent or Christmas time is all mm -hmm. about. And so we have a father who loves us. We we have a father who is sovereign, which means this, he's working all things together for the good of those who love God who are called according to his 
purpose. So it starts with Father, and then the Lord's Prayer moves into honor him as holy. What does that mean? It means that God is unlike anybody else, and he is worthy of our total allegiance. And then the, the next part of prayer says, do on earth as it is in heaven, your kingdom come. What does God's kingdom look like? It looks like Jesus healing the sick. It looks like Jesus dying on a cross. It looks like Jesus raising again. It looks like Jesus reaching and forgiving a prostitute. It looks like Jesus confronting the Pharisees. So many Christians are obsessed with leaving earth, and Jesus seems to be obsessed with bringing heaven to earth through his people. Wow. And then the text moves into give us this day our daily bread. So this is supplication. So in essence, Jesus is saying, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all that you need will be provided. We have a good father who meets our needs, not our greeds. So we can pray for Jesus to meet our physical health, emotional health, spiritual health, mental health, um, financial health. And he meets our needs, but not our greed. So that's a prayer of dependence. And then it moves into forgive us of this day as we can forgive those who've sinned against us. Well, Jesus is the new lamb of God. His blood breaks the power of sin. But Jesus is also the new day of atonement or Yom Kippur. His blood atones for our sins. So we're free from the power of sin. And we're completely forgiven, declared righteous, forever friends of God by the blood of Jesus. So therefore, we can move into the world as forgivers, as peacemakers, as people who speak the truth and love. And then finally, lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. What that is saying is that Jesus ultimately defeats sin and death and evil. As followers of Jesus, we are not exempt from tragedy but we are recipients of his triumph that the devil and his dominions day is coming to an end. But until then he's given us the full armor of God and the armor of God is the helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, sword of spirit, gospel peace on your feet, the belt um, and the shield of faith. Notice everything is covered in the front, but not the back. And here's why, because God's people don't retreat we advance and mm -hmm. we advance with the weapons of faith, hope, and love. And so the Lord's prayer is this beautiful choreography of who God is and who he has called us, called us to be. So back to your initial question, yes, God's prayer works when we pray the Lord's prayer and if we're looking for what he's looking for, and that's to transform us into the image of Christ. Wow, so good. And, and these, those are deep, deep spiritual waters and deep thoughts that you are, are bringing to us. If, if someone Googles your name, Derwin Gray, they're going to find out that there's a football background, there's an NFL background. And where in your life did this spiritual wisdom and revelation when did it begin in your journey yeah you know as as a little boy my grandmother would would talk to me about the bible uh, but we didn't we didn't attend church um 
when I was about 13, um, I came from a real difficult environment. At 13, I decided football was not just a game, but my way out of where I was. So football was my religion. Where'd you grow up? Where was home? San Antonio, Texas. I grew up on the West side. And um, uh, so football was football gave me affirmation, identity and mission. And that's what a God does. Mm -hmm. So I worked really hard, got a football scholarship to BYU Mm -hmm. in Utah, played there, met my wife, became all American, got drafted to the NFL. And uh, for me, that was my heaven. Mm -hmm. But one problem though, Scott, it was miserable. I had, I had worked my whole life and I go, wait a minute. So this is it. It was miserable. Mm-hmm. Second year got better. Third year, I'm a team captain. I'm playing really well. But at the end of that year, I distinctly remember looking in the mirror after a night where I get, got totally drunk, threw up everywhere. And I looked in the mirror, Scott, and I, I said, something's wrong with you. And I believe that's when the Holy Spirit began to awaken me that money and fame and accomplishment could not heal my insecurity, could not heal my broken heart. I I wouldn't have known the word sin, but Mm -hmm. I knew I did bad stuff and I needed to do good stuff to fix it. Well, God in his grace had a, a teammate of mine. His name was Steve Grant, but his nickname was the Naked Preacher. Because every, every day after practice, he would take a shower, dry off, and wrap a towel around his waist. And then he would get his Bible and ask my teammates, do you know Jesus? Wow. And, and in my mind, I'm going, do you know you're half naked? <laughs> and so I asked the veterans on the team, I'm like, who is this guy? And they were like, don't pay no attention to him because that's the naked preacher. And uh, one day I'm sitting in my locker and I see him coming and I turn away and he taps me on the back. And then he asked me a question to change my life. He wow. said, he, he said, rookie D gray, do you know Jesus? And that began a five-year process of one. I knew I couldn't love my wife the way she deserved to be loved because my experience taught me that if people get close to you, they hurt you. So I'm not going to let anybody get close. Number two, I couldn't get over the fact that my dad lived a few blocks away, but never went to any of my games. Uh, Number three, um, I knew there were things I needed to fix in me, but I didn't know the word sin. Um, Also, I was afraid of who would I be after the NFL because the NFL stands for not for long. So when your identity is built upon a career that doesn't last long, that is super uh, uh, problematic. And um, man, that was, uh, that was, that was really, really tough. So through a five-year process of experiencing that, experiencing my sin, being aware of my sin, but also going through injuries on August 2nd, 1997, fifth year in training camp at Anderson uh, Anderson College in Anderson, Indiana, after lunchtime, I went back to my dorm room and I called my wife on the phone and I said, I want to be more committed to you and I want to be committed to Jesus. And I believe that that's when I was born again. Um, I felt physically the transformation and I just began to weep. and I began to cry. I, I could not understand how someone like Jesus could love someone like me. And I have never gotten over 
that grace. I've never gotten over, wait a minute, Jesus, so you know about this, you know about this, you know about this, you know about this, and you still went to the cross for me? It took my breath away. And he's the most beautiful person that I've ever seen. And um, I've just grown deeper and deeper in love with him because of the depth of his love. And so, yeah, so that's how I came to know Christ. And uh, yeah. And, and you use the word transformation, and it must be an important word. Because when you founded your church, when did you found the church that you passed? Uh, February 7, 2010, my wife and I co-founded Transformation Church. And, and, and it's an utter joke. She is... She is from a little town in Montana where they had more bars than churches. So she was lost. She goes to BYU on a track academic scholarship. I go to BYU. So you got two non-Mormons who meet at a Mormon school, get married in college, and now who pastor and lead a multi-ethnic church. I mean, only God can do that. Well, and transformation, which is your story, yeah. is is also so important in the value of your ministry with your wife yeah. that you called your church transformation. And you're 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 a, a multi-ethnic, that's a huge yeah. issue. Multi-generational is a huge yeah. issue. So tell us how you blend all that together and what is going on in your faith community. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So so let's start with the first question, right? So transformation. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says this, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to present your bodies as a holy and living sacrifice. Do not be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You may test and prove what God's good and pleasing and perfect will is. So exegetically and in context, the Apostle Paul is speaking to Jewish believers in Rome and Gentiles, Jews and Gentiles had incredible ethnic and class division. So Paul is telling them in view of God's mercy, in other words, look at the cross, look at the blood, look at God's grace, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. So we put down our preferences and we pick up our crosses to be unified and then be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What transforms our mind? The mercy of God the gospel of God. So the way the church in Rome was able to be unified through ethnic uh, uh, division was through the mercy of God and the transforming of their minds. And for people listening going, are you sure about that, Pastor Darwin? Well, continue to read the rest of Romans chapter 12, and it's all about community and how to get, get along. Read the opening verses of Romans, and you'll see it's about Jews and Gentiles becoming the new people of God. So our wow. church, our, our church transformation is based on Romans chapter 12, verses one and two. And so we have to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. You ready for, 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 for this? To see ourselves as beloved of God, the father and siblings equally righteous in the blood of Jesus. So good. So, so, so let me get a little theology here, and I'm going to exp explain it. One of the doctrines of the Protestant Reformation that moved us out of the Catholic Church 
was the doctrine of salvation by grace through faith and justification by faith alone. The word justification means to declare righteous, that an only way we can be with God is to be as righteous as God. Well, none of us can do it. So Jesus does it for us by living the Torah or the Ten Commandments. So for the Apostle Paul, he's telling Jews and Gentiles, it makes no sense to be prejudiced or racist towards your brothers and sisters in Christ when both of you are the righteousness of Christ. For a Christian to be prejudiced, for a Christian to be sexist towards women or men, for a Christian to be, um, um, to look down upon anybody, Mm -hmm. you're looking down upon yourself because we're the body of Christ and the blood of Christ unifies us and declares us to be righteous. And so we have to stop seeing ourselves as Democrats, as Republicans. We have to see ourselves as believers in Jesus. Being an American citizen is secondary to my citizenship in the kingdom of God. And so we have to detach ourselves, or as Paul says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So for us here at Transformation Church, God has been incredibly generous to us. We are here in the southeastern part of the United States of America. And 40 years ago, the idea of a black lead pastor in the South having a church that's probably 55 to 60 percent white, 40 percent everything else, there would have been crosses burning in our front yard. But God in his grace has made us one of the, at one point, one of the fastest growing churches in America, 15 to 20,000 people per weekend via video or in person, watch our messages. Our church is a multi-ethnic church. Um, It's multi-generational. As a matter of fact, uh, you know, I want to say this lovingly. When I first got in ministry, it was cool to have, quote unquote, a young church. And not growing up in a church, I'm like, well, isn't the church a family? So in a family, you got grandmas, grandpas. And so it's kind of like having an advanced youth group if there's no older folks there. And so we love our wisdom-haired people. And so we're multi-generational. We're multi-ethnic. But it's that's not the goal. The goal is the exaltation of Jesus Christ. And the overflow is Jesus not only forgives us for our sins, but he creates a family of brothers and sisters with different colored skins. So the message, like my heart just beats quicker when I'm listening to you, because the message you are giving is a message that our nation needs to embrace. So more power to you. Amazing. And now this book that you've written now on prayer and that you're practicing even while we're together. And I I think it's working. I think God is like communicating (laughs) here, but you've written this book, God, do you hear me? What's the inspiration and the story behind that book? And, and who would you really like to read that book? Yeah. Wow. So the inspiration flows out of, you know, two decades of pastoral ministry. It flows out of seeing Gen Z and younger millennials abandon their faith because they're like, prayer doesn't work. 
um, it, 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 it flows out of people who have been suffering deeply through the pandemic, who've lost loved ones to COVID. And so what I wanted to do is I really wanted to, like I was holding your hand, walking with you on a hike, like we're in Western Montana, seeing beautiful blue skies, and we're talking about what does it mean to pray and where two are get, get gathered, Jesus is in our midst. And so this book would be great for a more mature Christian to disciple Christians. It would be good for people who've lost their faith. It would be good for people who've gotten stagnant in their prayer life. And Pastor Scott, here's another thing too about the Lord's Prayer, is the Lord's Prayer is actually a mini catechism of Jesus's life. Yeah. And so prayer is not just about getting stuff from God. Prayer is about knowing God, that God's greatest goal is for us to get him. Because when we have him, our circumstances no longer determine our effectiveness or our satisfaction. So prayer is a really hot topic right now. So I think this is so timely that God has inspired you to write. Uh, 2020, the, the Google searches for prayer hit the highest level of all time. But I don't know if everybody is praying the right way. Is it possible yeah. to be like praying, but praying amiss, praying wrong? And, and how do we call people back to a prayer that really genuinely brings them to the place God wants them to be? Yeah, you know, that is a wonderful question. And uh, what I would say is this, oatmeal is better than no meal. And what I mean by that is this, is there's some pe people who, who really don't know, they've never read the Bible or they haven't been taught properly. But on the flip side, um, there are people who are walking in rebellion and open sin. God's not going to answer your prayers. Um, and then sadly, a lot of people actually aren't praying. What we're doing is superstitious mantras trying to change God's mind. Hmm. Prayer, prayer doesn't change God's mind. Prayer aligns our minds to his. And so I, the first thing is oatmeal is better than no, no meal. Just pray. The second thing is let me help you learn how to pray. And what you're going to find is prayer is so much more than a spiritual Venmo account. And what I mean by spiritual Venmo account is you can Venmo people money if you have their account. And we think that we can get God to give us blessings if we just Venmo him. And, and God doesn't want to be used. He wants to be worshiped. And so that's why the Lord's prayer is structured the way that it is to show us what's important to God, right? We're so busy asking God for things and both Matthew chapter six and Matthew six thirty two both say your heavenly father already knows what your physical needs are. Hmm. So like if God already knows what our physical needs are, why does he want us to pray for intimacy into me? You see, if I could give this illustration, Thanksgiving is about to come. It's going to be awesome. But picture a family. The table is long. 20 people are there. 
grandpa and grandma are at the head of the t table. They've provided everything and everybody's eating and grandma and grandpa are smiling, but no one's talking to them. They're just saying, pass the cranberry sauce, pass the turkey, they're eating. And then the, the apple pie comes with the ice cream on top and everybody's having a good time and people one by one are getting up to leave. And as they leave, they say, okay, grandma, grandpa, we see you for Christmas. I often wonder if God feels that way that we sit down at the table and say, pass the gran gran cranberry sauce. And he smiles and he's going, I invited you not simply to eat. So good. But to be with me. So good. And so the goal of prayer is getting God. And if we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he'll provide all of our needs, not our greeds. And the excess that we have meets someone else's need. Wow. Now, if people want to connect with the material that is flowing through you, if they want to get uh, your best-selling book, if they, books, if they want to get the book that you're just, this is just out now, God, Do You Hear Me? How can people connect with what God is laying in you and through you? Yeah, so basically, you can buy God, Do You Hear Me? Anywhere books are sold, you can go to Amazon, you can go to Christian Book Distributors, Barnes and Nobles, wherever books are sold, you can order God, Do You Hear Me? There's study questions at the end of every chapter. Also at Transformation Church, that's transformationchurch.tc. You can actually listen to an eight-week series that we did on the book. Um, also, you can find me at DerwinLGray.com, DerwinLGray.com. But I would love to journey with the listeners uh, for them to purchase God. Do you hear me? Uh, buy some for Christmas for about seven or eight of your friends and have a study group and grow and learn and, and just pay it forward. Let's start a prayer movement. L listen, we know that our nation is hurting. We know that the world is. And so often we go, God, where are you? And God is going, where are you? Hmm. And the way we as believers tap into God's power is by knocking on his door in prayer. And the Lord's prayer is the prayer that he always answers. Well, listen, thank you so much. And those that are listening may just say right now, just listening. I need to pray. I need a practice that I could do this coming week. I need, I need to, I yeah. need to up my prayer priority. Yeah. What, what, what can we say to people that say, I'd like to do something this week that would increase my prayer influence and really the influence of my life. Yes. Yeah, so this is what, this is, this is what I do. So in the, mo mo in the morning time, just get up and read Matthew chapter six, nine through 13, pray the Lord's prayer and sit there and pause and begin to say like, Father, thank you for your grace. Today, I want to honor you as holy. I want your kingdom to come. And Lord, you're the bread of life. Provide everything that I need. And Lord, may I walk in your forgiveness. Give that away. Lord, give me power over sin and death. May I live on mission with, with you. So pray the Lord's prayer in the morning, at noontime. And then at night, I pray Psalm 23, 1 through 6. I've been doing that for about five years now. Mm where I pray that every night. And what you'll find is all throughout the day, you'll start praying, but let the Lord's prayer be choreography for you. And what you'll find is you begin to re read about 
who our father is. Our father's El Roy, the God who sees. Our father is Yahweh, the God who is self-existent. Our father's El Shaddai, the God who is all-powerful. I, that's why I feel I feel a kinship like you are a brother to me. I pray the Lord's Prayer. I run in the morning. And as I run, I pray through that prayer. It has been so powerful. And thank you so much uh, for just sharing with us. I hope people in your area will find Transformation Church. We bless you and thank you for sharing just so freely from your life. And you've really enriched me personally. And I think the listeners here at the Influencers Podcast. Thanks so much, Pastor. Thank you, Pastor. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Influencers Podcast on the Charisma Podcast Network. If you enjoy our content, we would love for you to subscribe and have the opportunity to tune in to future podcasts. You can follow us on all social media platforms at the Influencers Podcast Official. You can stay up to date, hear more inspiring content, and unlock your full potential as an influencer. Remember to use your influence to create lasting change that draws the world closer to Jesus.